record. All right, so I think we're recording. Yeah, good. Yeah, recording. Okay. okay. All right. Um, so give me just a couple minutes here to get up on the on the road. Sounds good. I teach at um, Cal Baptist on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, and so, and unfortunately, I don't. I never really have enough time to uh, to do these kinds of things unless I'm driving. Um, and I even tell my students. Uh, I don't know if I told you guys or not, but um, you know, my office hours are on the I'm on the road. So. Yeah, yeah, I did notice. I've had been. Yeah. A, I've been in a couple conversations with you at the. You've always been uh, driving with between uh, university to another. Yeah, between the different campuses. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. Actually... So, well, it just it kind of leverages time. You know, that's kind of one of the leadership traits, actually. Is, is yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, well, I guess we can uh, we can go ahead and start um, anytime you'd like. Uh, okay. Um, so first and foremost, uh, I'm completely excited about the being a part of your podcast and also um, um, honored to have you discuss a little bit more about leadership. Uh, of course, I'm happy to do it. What is this for, by the way? Uh, it's for this, it's for a, a leadership class uh, that I'm taking for this summer. And, uh, is that at Cal State LA or somewhere? Else? Yeah, Cal State LA. Yeah, and okay. um, this class uh, wants to sort of gives us importance of leadership and management. So it's, it's, it's a pretty interesting class. It's been one of my favorites. And yeah. um, I had to choose a specific person. And I, without a doubt, the first person that came to mind was you just because uh, the amount of stuff you put out there and um, just overall your background, what yeah. I know a little bit, what I know the little about you, uh, I knew you, you were the first person that came to mind. So, well, so thank you. I appreciate that. I'm happy to be a part of your, very yeah. honored to be a part of your, uh, your interview here. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. So, All right. By the way, can you still hear okay with the, the car noise now? This is, it won't yeah, be yeah, any I, worse I, than that. No, no, it sounds good. It sounds good. Okay. Good, good. Uh, All right. All right. So the first question so, I wanted to ask. Uh, for those just joining the podcast, uh, I'm uh, uh, being interviewed by one of my former students, one of my, one of my great forward, former students. He's uh, uh, very good. And uh, so as you heard, he's... Uh, and I managed in a leadership class this summer, and so uh, I'd be very, very happy to be in. Go ahead. Uh, All right. So, I think the first question I wanted to ask you was a little bit, a little bit before your professional life, more, more in the depths of like uh, your young uh, life. Um, what were your goals and aspirations around those times? Sure. Well. Um, I guess just even starting back a little, a little bit further when I was uh, in college. Well, actually, so way, 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 way back. I guess, you know, like when I was in middle school, high school, um, yeah. even a little bit before, I just, the, the stock market had always uh, fascinated me and business in general. And so, uh, I just, of course, I wanted to get through high school and get into college and uh, uh, went to UC Riverside and uh, uh majored in both business and economics uh, as an undergraduate. Yeah. Um, and so uh, uh, as circumstances would, would have it, uh, this was the, the Vietnam War was going on at the time. And yeah. uh, we had the, the draft. 
So I drew a low draft number and uh, would have had to have been drafted into the Army right away to eliminate student preference by that time of the war. Yeah. And so uh, the only way I could stay in uh, college and finish up was to join an ROTC program, and uh, uh, you know, which I did. And, uh, and so I was uh, joined in my sophomore year. So two and a half years later, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Army. But you know, uh, on the subject of leadership, that that's really where I got my first leadership training. Yeah. Uh, was in ROTC, and it was it was excellent training. And, and I'm so glad that you're in a leadership program, and that Cal State LA has that. Um, because I think it's so important, uh, um, and not a lot of schools do do have that that type of training. So I'm really glad that you're in that. You're on the right track to take that and so forth. Um, so my goals and aspirations haven't really ever changed. Uh, you know, when I uh, got done with college, and of course I had a four-year obligation in the army. Then, um, by the way, just as an aside, I was actually uh, all my ROTC training was by uh, special forces uh, officers that enlisted and. Uh, Ranger uh, officers and enlisted. I thought I was actually going to be uh, following that path um, and went airborne training and, and uh, uh, so forth. Uh, came back from airborne school and uh, they actually had, had um, uh, planned to wind the war down and announced the end of the draft. Uh, but I stayed in the ROTC and so then when I when I graduated, I got commissioned as the second lieutenant in the field artillery actually. Um, they didn't need special forces or, or ranger officers, but they needed were missile officers because this was the, uh, the height of the Cold War. So yeah. I uh, went in uh, as a, uh, I did my basic, my basic officer's training in our field artillery and then went right away to a Pershing Missile School, officer's school. And so went to Germany for three and a half years um, as, a, uh, as a missile officer, uh, nuclear missiles. That's and again, incredible. this was during the Cold War. Um, but yeah, so anyway, uh, I, I really never intended to stay in the Army, and I, I did. I stayed in the Reserves for just a short period of time after I got off active duty. Uh, but my aspirations were always to go into the stock market, and when I was a little bit more clear on what, what exactly that meant, um, I wanted to do three things. I wanted to uh, be a securities analyst, you know, stock picker, basically. I wanted to okay. be a portfolio manager, and I wanted to be an investment banker. And fortunately, in my career, I was able to do, uh, do all three of those. I, uh, for small firms, big firms doing that, had several of my own firms, including my current firm, um, where I where I do those things, all three of those things. So anyway, that that's probably longer than you wanted to hear, but that's that was my goal uh -huh. and aspirations. And yeah. Fortunately, it's it's worked out. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, thank you for your service, by the way. Um, thank you. Yes. Uh, I guess to say, since you did mention a little bit more on your military uh, background, uh, would you say um, like what what were what made you actually what did you learn from being in the military as, an, as, a, as a leader or as someone that uh, got, I'm sure you got motivated by higher commanding officers. Um, how did a yeah. leadership was different to, I guess, a college uh, back, like a, a, what, how does it defer the, uh, the military leadership towards uh, being led at a college uh, facility or something? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good question. So, um, uh, the, the first thing that they tell um, second lieutenants and the smart second lieutenants listen, fortunately I listened, um, is that even though you may have a, a gold bar on your shoulder and, and uh, uh, even very senior uh, enlisted uh, folks uh, have to salute you and call you sir, um, 
the, the t thing they tell you is they know a lot more than you do. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think most, most like second lieutenants get that. Some don't. And, you know, that's just, that's just a real disastrous start for a lot of people. So, I, you know, so I think the lesson is, um, you know, you, even as a, as a leader, you've got to, you've got to listen to other people. You've got to learn from other people, learn from those that have more experience and, and different yeah. kinds of experiences. Um, so that was one lesson. The other lesson is you've got to take care of your people. Uh, uh, and so like, for example, the tradition in the military uh, is that officers will always, like when you go through the, the mess hall, the chow line, you know, officers will always go last. They let their, their people go first. Uh, and, and NCOs will do the same thing. So um, I think those are probably two of the really important lessons. Uh, you know, again, you, as a leader, you kind of have to realize especially as a younger person, that you don't know everything, but even as yeah. an older person too. Uh, I think it comes a little bit easier for many older people to have you know, learned that lesson in life, but sometimes a little bit harder for a younger person. But, uh, the, um, and you know, by the way, uh, uh, can you hear me? It's uh, cutting out a little. Was one, sorry. Oh, it's cutting uh, out. Just a little bit. I can hear you now though. Okay, yeah, I was just cresting over a hill there. Uh, by the way, for those listening, I'm actually doing this uh, uh, this recording, this podcast from my car as I'm driving to teach a class tonight. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, in my doctorate program, uh, we actually had to take a, a leadership course, uh, and uh, you know, I by that time I was already in my I started my doctorate program when I was 50 years old, maybe something like that, and uh, you know, so I. I had a successful, you know, four years on active duty as a military officer. I've uh, run many different organizations, owned uh, several of my own. At the time, I was running a couple, a couple of my own organizations. So we had to take this leadership course, and I thought, you know, what, what, what is this person that's going to teach this class? What could they possibly teach me about leadership <laughs> that I don't already know or haven't already experienced? Well, I'll tell you what, the guy that taught the, uh, the course was actually a two or three star general. He was the deputy commander of the uh, Texas National Guard. And this was actually during Hurricane Katrina. You know, he told us beginning of class, he goes, you know, uh, I, I may be a little bit absent uh, or a little bit late, you know, you may have to reschedule classes because we, we just had this hurricane and the, the National Guard's having to, you know, help clean things up and so forth. But you know what? It was one of the best classes I'd ever had. Uh, I learned so much from the guy. So, you know, you, you can always, uh, you can always learn. And I, I think that's one of the really important lessons is, mm -hmm. is, you know, never, never stop that learning. Mahatma Gandhi, one of my favorite sayings is, comes from Mahatma Gandhi is, uh, you know, live life as if you will die tomorrow, uh, but learn as if you will live tomorrow. Uh, sorry, live life as if you will die tomorrow, learn as if you will live forever. And, oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah, wonderful. So I've, that's always stayed with me. And I, uh, anyway, so that's the, there's, there's a little part of that story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw that you were mentioning a lot of like your educational background, how you got your both both your degrees, your bachelor's and your your master's from the University of Riverside, uh -huh. as well as your your doc, your doctorates at a uh, University of Phoenix. Um, Correct. It's it's so for you, I guess a best way like for me to understand is uh, what what kept you motivated? These are high accomplishments, very impressive accomplishments. Like what is it that motivates you? to be able to go through all that, all that hard work. Yeah, no, and, and, and um, I mean, it is hard work, uh, but 
for me, it's enjoyable. Uh, and I'm, you know, very goal driven. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's maybe a big part of it, just, you know, uh, to have the goals and, um, you know, to really just, I'll just keep focused on those. A lot of people I've noticed, uh, uh, you know, now I'm in my sixties and so I can look back over a life lifetime of people I went to school with. I'm still in touch with many of them and, and just the many people I've worked with and, you know, led this various organizations and, uh, and, the, and the people I know now. And, and, uh, um, I, I think one of the things that people, um, sorry, there's a couple of motorcycles going by me here. There we go. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> they, they weren't leaving a lot of room between us. Um, uh, where was I? Um, yeah, so, so what I've noticed is that a lot of people, um, they lose sight of their goals, or maybe they never had, had uh, you know, goals or enough goals in the first place. Um, so, you know, what I would tell a young person is, you know, establish those goals and then just, just really be faithful to them. Don't, uh, don't give up, uh, you know, and, and you're going to hit, you know, you're going to hit bumps in the road. You're going to, it's never a straight line. Um, so you're yeah. going to, you're going to, and it's okay to deviate. Um, and, and in fact, it's, it's going to be probably very, very necessary. So you may set your, you may set your path and a goal. Uh, probably better off if you have leave some room to, to deviate right from the beginning, because because you yeah. will almost certainly have to. But um, but you know kind of just you know keep your focus uh, on those goals, and uh, uh, that's you know that's worked out for me, and I've, and it's worked out for other people I've I've seen and admired, um, and not worked out for other uh, for other people when they when they didn't uh, follow a path like that. Um, yeah, so there's. Oh, there's that thought. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, especially like uh, focusing when it comes to. I mean, I think it's just that task when it's something seems so difficult, like trying to focus to achieve something that seems difficult can can hinder people from wanting to achieve it. But um, yeah, that's a and, very and good way know, to see that, it. And another point to that too is reward yourself uh, because you know sometimes the journey is a little difficult. Um, you know, stay focused on it, uh, shift when you need to. You know, pivot is the, the term we use in the entrepreneurial world and, and you know, uh, quite, a, quite a bit. But, and, and you will have to pivot. There's no question about that. Uh, yeah. And that's okay. That happens to everyone. But then reward yourself when you, uh, when you hit certain milestones and, you know, and, and create little milestones for yourself, not unachievable ones, you know, just little steps uh, that when you hit that, that milestone, then, you know, reward yourself if it's life on a daily basis, you know, get a snack, get some sleep, go out and uh, do something enjoyable. Uh, if it's on a long-term basis, you'll need to take a vacation. Yeah. Buy yourself something that's, that you know, really is important to you. Um, and because uh, those little, those that little rewards, those little achievements will, will make the journey a lot easier. Yeah. Wonderful way to see it. Um, so I see that you've, you're you're managing director of the Paul and Wendy and Associates. Uh, I'm sure you've managed many firms throughout your life, many businesses. You've been presidents from different corporations as well as you know project managers and other places. Um, so in your line of work, like uh, what were the most important leading skills that you needed to use in order to demonstrate? Uh, I'm sorry. Hold, hold on one oh, second. Yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> I got traffic. And I got <laughs> yeah. GPS talking to me. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you've been you've been in high positions, like in in many of places that you've worked at, and you've managed, and some of your own businesses, so from being president to being a project manager. Um, what were the most important leading skills in your line of work that uh 
that you have to demonstrate in order to, to meet specific goals for that company? Uh, let me think if I understand your question. But by the way, let me just jump back, back to another point I wanted to make too. Okay. Uh, the, uh, sorry, another motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. That's <laughs> one of those days. Um, yeah, the, the, you know, the, the, the other thing about, uh, about, um, you know, your goals and, uh, and you know, achieving things and working toward you know keeping the focus and working toward things, um, is the the anecdotal saying is you know how do you eat an elephant, and you probably know the answer to this right how how do you eat an elephant? Uh, I would say long term piece by piece. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. One bite at a time. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, so so keep that in mind when you're when you're uh, and of course I'm saying this not just to you but to a general audience. Of, yeah. Younger people that might be listening to this. But yeah. Just, um, you know, don't, don't get overwhelmed by the task. See, a lot of people, that's what I've seen with a lot of people is, is I've uh, gotten older. It still amazes me. I, you know, people my age that have gone all through life and you would have thought they would have learned some of these lessons, but they, they just haven't. They get overwhelmed by things. And, they, and that's a big reason why people can't meet goals is they, they, they set the goals and they just don't work at it methodically yeah. and, you know, systematically and piece by piece. So, um, yeah, so anyway, there, there's a thought there, and, and uh, mm -hmm. you'll have a lot probability of uh, a lot higher probability of success by by doing that. So yeah. now you were asking about. Um, I'm sorry, ask that question again. About oh, okay. Before. Yeah. No. I so you you've been a you're managing director of your Paul and Wendy and Associates. You've yeah, and several other businesses. <laughs> yeah, you've you've managed many firms, many businesses right. throughout your life. You've been president for different corporations as well as a project manager for some, and. Um, what would you say, like you being in such a position, uh, a leading position, what were the most important leading skills that you had to demonstrate in order to achieve company success? Um, well, getting the job done. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's kind of what I learned in the military, too, is, is uh, you know, probably the most important thing. It doesn't, up to a point, it doesn't matter how you do it. And, and even in the, in the military and, and uh you know, the, the, the military, at least when I was in it, and I think it's still largely uh, that way today, um, you know, the most important thing is, is to get the job done. And, and, and up to an extent, they'll, they'll give you a little bit of help, but a lot of times it's just, you know, here's what needs to get done, get it done. And, uh, um, you know, so you, you got you to gotta figure out how to do that. And that's, um, you know, I've tried to carry that into the civilian world as well. Um, I, I've noticed that a lot of people in the civilian world that don't have that military background, um, yeah. They, they get a little bit more caught up in the, uh, uh, you know, the, the things like, well, that's not fair, that, you know, this is too hard, you know, I'm getting overwhelmed, I'm getting stressed. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll say, just suck it up and go for it. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> and uh, um, so, um, and not to say that you can't have empathy, and, and, and I think empathy is important. In the military, I mean, we cert certainly did that, but at the end of the day, you, you got to get the job done, and, and certainly that's, that's true in, uh, in civilian corporate you know in non-corporate life as well um, yeah yeah so um i think i'm yeah uh, that's my thoughts on that for the moment i'll probably come back to okay um so you also created a website uh this was introduced to me as as your student when i was your student in a capstone uh intrinsic value wealth report and um what does this website mean to you uh specifically what does it mean to me yeah, what does it mean to you? Like, what, like, what, uh, 
what did, why did you uh, create it? Like, what was the main purpose or end yeah. goal for you? Yeah, and, and it, it, coincidentally, I just had a, a conversation with a, um, a digital marketing firm this morning um, because I'm, you know, thinking about taking it to the next level, but, but maybe not. I was, I was having the same conversation with a, a fellow's name was Steve today. So um, originally I created it. Uh, well, th there's actually two websites and, and they both expanded considerably uh, to where it's now two websites and a, uh, a podcast, uh, Intrinsic Value Wealth Report Radio, and then a, a YouTube channel, Intrinsic uh, Value Wealth Report uh, TV. Okay. Um, so there's actually four components that I, I rather uh, optimistically call this the Intrinsic Value Wealth Report Media Group. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've got to grow into that. <laughs> but, but right, that's part of setting goals. Um, yeah, that's true. And, and so, you know, as, as part of, um, like I say, from, from the very beginning, my goals were always, uh, my three main career goals, uh, civilian career goals were uh, to be a, a stock analyst, stock picker, a uh, portfolio manager and an investment banker. And I've done all three of those in various combinations. And like I said, I'm doing all three of them kind of together right now. And so after I got my doctorate, actually while I was working on my doctorate, I started uh, the first website you saw, uh, which was just the Intrinsic Value Wealth Report. And that was originally going to be a, uh, a newsletter, an investment newsletter. Yeah. Uh, and I was inspired by some friends that, that uh, have some very uh, successful newsletters. Um, like I'll mention uh, uh, one of the people is my very, very good friend, uh, uh, Mark Skousen. I don't know, Mark, if you ever listen to this, this pod uh, or this, uh, yeah, this podcast, um, if not, I'll play it for you someday. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mark's, Mark was one of the original newsletter writers. Um, he started his about 40 plus years ago now and been very, very successful with a very great newsletter. Um, and I actually was familiar with his newsletter before I, before I really met him in, in person. Uh, and then it turns out that we were both teaching uh, classes at Chapman University. And so uh, we got to know each other and become friends. Um, but anyway, I was inspired by, by his newsletter and what he'd done and then some other newsletters I'd seen. So I, I, I started my, my newsletter. Well, I was teaching. I've always taught a lot of classes and I was teaching a lot of classes at the time. And I just started putting class material, you know, course material on the website. And so it really became more of an educational website. Yeah. And so that original intrinsic value wealth report, that's what it remains today. Um, so the original one. Um, yeah. and, uh, and as you saw in the class, you know, I, I, I draw a lot on these websites um, for, for teaching because it's, it's just become a nice repository. Of, that's of true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, well, actually, in, now, so you were in the, uh, the capstone class. So you probably didn't even see a fraction of what, what I showed other classes because um, anyway, there's all, all the classes I, I can draw stuff from these and I've been, putting stuff up there now for eight years it's got a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah I, um, I, i've been to any website it's it's a it's a lot of a lot of information a lot of useful information and it, i do see the value in it without it thank doubt. you for that yeah thank you so anyway then i decided um that i that i was going to start the second website which is the intrinsic value wealth report newsletter uh, and that's the current one i'm putting a lot of uh, time and effort into and money um and and that really is a, an investment newsletter so i've kind of uh, gone back on that track. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I was just kind of content just to, um, I've always got a real captive audience with, uh, with you guys, you students, right. Mm. Um, uh, so at least I know I've got that readership of, of the, uh, of, of the websites. Um, and, 
but you know, I've I've thought on and off about you know maybe actually taking it up another another notch and making it you know get more subscribers and so forth. So I I actually had in the last week or so I've been talking to a couple of different firms uh, to uh, to see about doing that. So the the fellow I was talking with this morning, Steve, he kind of asked the same question. I said, you know, I I actually would be just as happy just to have it out there for students and and you know not really charge anyone. As you guys know, as students, I, I never charge you guys. I don't think that's mm. fair to make you guys pay for, for the website, uh, at least while you're students. And so um, so I, I was happy with that. But I said, but you know, if, if we can, if you can help me get this to a broader audience, because what I told him this morning is, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm an educator and, and um, you know, and I yeah. do try to, to write things and provide things, not just stuff I write, but, but um, you know, create models and best models and all kinds of different models for all all kinds of different business and economic uh, subjects and so forth. And, and a lot of it is just, just for me, just the really, frankly, the joy of being able to have people see that information and be able to get, get some use out of it. And so, uh, so, you know, um, so I guess that's really the, the, the bottom line is, is, you know, that's kind of the first goal is just to be able to, to have information I can make, you know, useful to other people. Uh, if I can make enough money on the, uh, on the newsletters uh, to maybe pay for itself. That would be great. If I make a few extra bucks, you know, I won't yeah. turn it down. <laughs> so yeah, does that answer that question? Yeah, it does perfectly. That's uh, that's really wonderful of you to, to provide that for, especially for, I think it's just mostly that driven uh, you being a professor, you, you sort of put yourself to educate and uh, to push for um, that, you believe it is fair in some sense students are we know students tend to be you know broke especially uh during uh especially during these worst situations because right now it's pretty bad but uh it's it's actually really nice for you to to provide that yeah. for you. um so well not only that but gee, I, I just never thought it was fair for for professors that like write textbooks or other stuff and then they um you know i think there's real conflict of interest there where they uh just my personal you know opinion if you will yeah. for that for you know to teach a class and then make a, a class of your students have to buy your stuff that just doesn't seem fair to me yeah <laughs> so yeah. i probably go too far on that side of it but uh but no i, I never charge for the uh, uh like i said at least for the time they're in the class <clears throat> i never charge for those you know, i just give you the free passwords um, yeah uh, and, 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 and and that is kind of the, the bottom line for me it's the uh it's as an educator that's the main reason I like to, to be an educator is, is to, is really just to help people and give them useful information and you know, influence uh, uh, you know, future generations. And I mean, cause people have done that for me and, you know, probably maybe at least 50% of what I share on my websites comes from other people and other sources. I mean, I'm not plagiarizing or, you know, um, but I, you know, even if I write an article and I base it, and this is what academics do, you know, you're, you're never, no one is able to write everything just completely from scratch. That, that's the real yeah. purpose of, of uh, what, what academics do and, you know, research and so forth is you're always building on other people's works. And so, um, you know, so uh, some of my stuff is completely original, completely out of the box ideas. Uh, but, you know, most of it, like most academics, you're, you're really just building on other, other research, um, and of course, citing and referencing where that comes from. But that's that's what really makes great ideas and great innovations is when you take 
stuff that's good stuff that's been done before and make it better. Yeah. So very true. that's, you know, people have done that for me. And if I can pass that along to future generations, uh, then uh, that makes me really happy to be able to do that. Yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing. Um, so uh, let's say, I guess in a deeper level, uh, why is it, why is it important for you to help others recognize value in building wealth? Yeah. Well, you know, again, it just, it just gets back to be able to, um, to, to be able to you know, help others. Uh, you know, I also have uh, a nonprofit organization I put together uh, called the Value Driver Institute. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it has several different missions or purposes. Uh, one is to advance the, uh, you know, to really be a think tank for uh, my, you know, my dissertation was on a subject, uh, the title of my dissertation was A Theory of Value Drivers. And yeah. um, I'm trying to think back how much we might have talked about that in your class, but the, uh, the theory of the, uh, the uh, without getting too technical for this podcast, uh, we know, we've known for almost 500 years how, how to measure the value that, uh, that enterprises create. Um, and that's for those that are familiar with it in the finance field, particularly, they'll know uh, that's something we call intrinsic value. It's, it's done with a, a methodology called the discount cash flow approach. Um, so, you know, and that's actually been around. The, the, first, uh, uh, the, the first work on that was done about five, almost 500 years ago. I think the year was like 1560. It was a Flemish mathematician that came up with that. Mm. And um, so, so that, so we can look at a company and calculate its value going through this, this, this kind of cash flow approach. And, it, and that serves as a good benchmark for if we're going to invest in a company, for example, uh, it tells us, if, you know, if we know what that value is and we look at the market price, we can tell if the market price is over that value, we're probably going to stay away from it. If it's under the value, then, then, then we've got a good, good deal, a good, good value to invest in. For managers creating that value, um, it gives them another, again, a, a benchmark so they can see if they're creating value in their enterprises year after year. And understanding mm -hmm. how to create that value, I'm sorry, understanding how to calculate that value uh, gives them insight to how to create the value. So my dissertation work said, okay, well, we know how to calculate value, but what actually creates that value? So that was the theory of value drivers. So after I got my doctorate, or actually, I guess probably while I was still working on it, I started the Value Driver Institute uh, to provide a think tank just to do more research. Uh, and it's done that now for eight or, eight or nine, ten years, um, however, however long I've had that now. So that, that's been one mission. It does other research as well. So, for example, I've, okay. I've been writing a lot more recently on uh, economics and economic theories. I'm working on a, on a new, uh, a, a newish economic theory. It's kind of more of an, of an add-on to a lot of the current economic theories uh, puts the, the firm at the center of, of uh, the economy. And particularly now, uh, as we have to begin thinking about how we're going to recover from the coronavirus, uh, you know, again, the, putting that the firm at the center of things uh, is, is so important. Uh, so you can read, read that paper and those, uh, that theory yeah. when it comes out here uh, later, later this year. Uh, I'd yeah, love that. Yeah, I'm actually presenting a, a paper on that November at the International Leadership Association, and I did present one um, uh, already on it at the same group, the ILA, and, and other groups as well. But um, 
The other mission that the Value Driver Institute has is to take the business incubator concept to places in the world that don't have incubator, business incubators, but where they're needed the most. So for example, um, I've, I've, so a business incubator, you know, just helps um, uh, people as they're starting a business, you know, holds their hand a little bit, gives them tools, gives them ideas, gives them resources. Uh, and I've yeah. done a lot of that over many, many years. Uh, but in a formal sense with the Value Driver Institute, I've done that with a, a Native American tribal nation. I've done that in Thailand. Um, and, and we're taking it to more and more places in the world. So, you know, I guess that's kind of a long-winded way of answering your question. But it's, it's just yeah. that, that uh, I, just, I just get so much uh, enjoyment and, and really um, fulfillment, personal fulfillment, and being able to do that with people. You know, the, I think, again, kind of as, as an older person talking to a younger person like yourself and others that might be listening to this, um, there, there's an old, uh, uh, old notion, an old idea, uh, which, which is not old. I mean, it is old, but it's, it's a current idea, too. And that is that, how do they say it? Uh, oh, I was just thinking about this last night, too. Uh, the, greatest, the greatest joy, it's something like this. The greatest joy is not receiving, but it's in giving. And, yeah. uh, you know, our moms told us that, our grandma moms told us that, uh, and it is, it is so true. And, and I didn't, I never actually realized that how important that was, um, uh, until I really first started doing that when I was raising my daughters, yeah. I got the, the greatest enjoyment, um, you know, just, just, um, helping them as they were growing up and their friends and just, just being part of that giving. And, uh, so anyway, that, that's just a little little less i don't know if that that's maybe a little further than what you wanted to go but but no, that's, no, it's, it's great I, I mean it's sort of it, it sort of motivates you to to create and probably reinforce economies for other places that don't have that those tools and it's it sort of you know it, it comes down to the fundamentals of how it makes you feel and that fulfillment and that's actually very inspiring uh, Thank you. Yeah. I, I truly enjoyed hearing that um so i guess uh uh to put it to some sort of rest uh when you i guess you seeing students nowadays uh mostly let's just specifically talk about business students um how do you think what's the best way to put them to think that there's a possibility of having their business without being it affected or or what's the best way to encourage them to feel motivated to still push towards business knowing that right now it's everything is failing everything is is um in so many cases, has many companies have went down under. How do you, how do you believe motivating students? What's the best way to motivate students now? Sure. Yeah. No. Good. Good, good questions. Well, um, and and as you may or may not know, I in my commentaries, my weekly commentaries, uh, and the podcast I do for my my newsletter, um, I I often comment on this. So, you know, let's look at a couple of things. Um, and 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 I always. So what I've been saying in my commentaries now for several weeks uh, is that, I mean, just the reality of the situation is the coronavirus is bad and it's getting worse. The economy is, is really bad um, and it's, it's getting worse. Um, but I always tell people, look at, I mean, I don't want to be a, a, you know, a prophet of doom here. Things will get better, okay? And, and, and they will. Um, it's a matter of when. Now, the coronavirus is actually from everything I read and follow, and I, and I try to follow this pretty carefully because I'm mostly interested 
from the standpoint of, of how to fix the economy because that's you know what professionally what I'm um, yeah. what I do uh, and uh, the coronavirus from what I read is it looks like we're going to probably have a vaccine for that by the end of the year or you know very very soon into the first part of next year so so we're we're getting that situation under under control even given the fact that I mean gosh California I just read today we. We have the, uh, the great honor and distinction of, of now being the uh, the number one nation of the country, uh, number one number one state in the country uh, for, for uh, coronavirus cases. So, uh, so on the short term, it's, it's getting worse. Uh, uh, but but you know that looks like it'll it'll get get better, um, um, you know, in, in very short order. Hopefully, I mean, that, uh, they've already got vaccines, and uh, in fact. I guess the government's actually paying Pfizer to, for a couple of the vaccines, which looks like they're they're already ready to go out. Uh, not quite with all the, all the trials and testing that they should have done, but but close enough that the government's willing to pay them a couple of billion dollars or something. Anyway, yeah. Uh, the, the the economy is, and I've I've been telling this for to people. You know, I was I happened to be teaching a couple of econ classes uh, in March when all this came down uh, with the coronavirus, and it was fascinating uh, teaching economics in, in, in real time seeing things happen in the economy that you wouldn't see in, in you know in years or decades or even a lifetime I mean it happened in just in just weeks and days um, and, and we really did structurally damage the economy in such a huge way um, and most people don't I don't think the average person doesn't have a real appreciation for that um, you know, I mean, they, they, they are, many people are affected by their, you know, their jobs and, and loss of and, and their work situations and, and so forth. Um, I think most professional economists, if they've been keeping track of it, which, which they would reserve and the uh, IMF and uh, uh, Congressional Budget Office, I mean, they're all saying the same thing. You know, they, the economy can take a long time to recover. So anyway... You know, you can listen to my some of my podcasts on that, read the commentaries. Uh, so, so just being realistic, the, the economy's uh, in bad shape. It will recover someday too, but that's going to probably be a lot, lot longer uh, recovery period. So, you know, how does that, how does that affect people? Uh, you know, unfortunately, you guys that are just now graduating or will be graduating very, very soon. Um, well, um, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to certainly affect your careers and your planning. Uh, so just you have to be realistic about it. Uh, uh, I, I guess your question specifically, well, so, so from the standpoint of someone looking for a job, I mean, obviously, there's fewer jobs now, fewer companies offering jobs, a lot of small businesses have gone out of business, a lot more have gone out of business before this is over. Um, even yeah. big companies have, you know, a lot of For the listeners of this podcast, we uh, we had a technical glitch. Uh, as you know, I was recording this from the car, um, yeah. and you know it must be true what many people suspect that um, uh, professors are full of hot air because my phone overheated. <laughs> <We'd> <laughs> That's the, uh, true. We lost the Zoom connection, so we're back. I'm not sure exactly where we left off, um, but I just wanted to finish up with a couple of thoughts. I know ACL said that we um, this was kind of the last question anyway. So where I left off, uh, I'm not exactly sure where I left off uh, <laughs> before the Zoom lost us, but um, the question was, you know, what, you know, what, what do people, young people starting out need to think about for careers and starting uh, businesses and so forth. So, um, 
you know, you can listen to my other commentaries and, and uh, or podcasts and read the commentaries to uh, get my views on where the economy is. Um, it's not good, um, uh, but you know, it, it will get better. Um, for the economy, it's gonna probably take a little while longer. The coronavirus, just to summarize it, again, I'm not sure where the, where the Zoom cut off, but the coronavirus, you know, looks like it, it's gonna be kind of, we're gonna have a vaccine and some solutions by the end of this year. So, so where, do, uh, where do people that are graduating now and, and wanna start careers and, and jobs, uh, I'm sorry, uh, careers and uh, businesses and so forth? Well, um, you know, recognize that, that a lot of jobs aren't, aren't there anymore. Uh, it's, it's become a tight, tight labor market again. Um, and so, you know, just be aware of that when you're looking for, uh, for you know, careers and so forth. Uh, don't get discouraged. Um, and again, the situation will, will get better uh, someday. You just have to kind of be aware of where we are where now. Um, and, you know, same thing with starting a business. A lot of businesses have gone out of, out of business. Um, and, you know, big businesses, small businesses, even, you know, even large businesses have been filing for bankruptcy. Uh, companies that are around for, for decades um, and so forth. So, um, you know, maybe it's an opportunity actually um, to, you know, certainly the landscape is going to change um, from this coronavirus situation. And so, um, you know, use this as an opportunity to, to you know, uh, to, to look for uh, niche opportunities that, that you might be able to fill both in terms of careers and in terms of starting a business, if that's what you're going to do. Um, and so I, the, the, the one kind of other thought that I wanted to, um, uh, that I was starting to share, and, and I know that this didn't get recorded, is um, in terms of, of building whatever skills you can. So again, recognizing that it's gonna be a, 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 a tight job market um, uh, for probably a, you know, the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that you, that I think young people, young students might think about doing is to learn a couple of uh, computer programming languages. So even though you aren't gonna be a computer programmer, maybe professionally, maybe some of you are, but um, with companies having less and less employees um, and you know, managers, young managers and so forth, they're gonna expect everyone to be able to do more. And what I've noticed is that um, there's a lot, of, a lot of young people learning uh, computer programming languages to kind of enhance their their skills and their uh, employability, employability yeah. if you will. So the two, I've actually been learning a couple of these myself, um, just because you never want to stop learning, uh, even when you get to be my age. So I've, mm. I, I think one of the computer languages that makes a lot of sense is Python. Um, and that looks like it's going to be around and, and pretty uh, popular for probably at least another 10 years. So, uh, so learn Python. Uh, which is just a general programming language uh, like C++, C++, uh, JavaScript, and so forth. Um, and the other one is uh, a program called R. Um, and R is primarily a statistical uh, programming language. So it's used a lot uh, for statistics. Um, and the way I would recommend that you learn these um, is uh, to get a couple of books. The ones I've been using are part of the uh, For Dummies series. I really like that, that series. I use it for a lot of subjects. I'm trying to take a crash course in and learn. And so the For Dummies series has one on Python and it has one for R. Um, and they're mm -hmm. both excellent, excellent resources to, to learn these. And fortunately, it's not that difficult to learn these, these uh, languages. You know, back from when I first learned Fortran when I was in college, uh, the languages have gotten a lot easier to learn and they're a lot user, more user-friendly and yeah. so forth. 
so anyway, that's just kind of some final thoughts there. Um, you know, but, but don't get discouraged uh, in this environment, either for starting a business or for, uh, for trying to find a job. Um, it may take a little bit longer uh, in both cases, um, but look, look for the niche that you can fill that, that other people can't and develop as many extra skills as you can. So learn those languages are in Python. Um, yeah. So with that, anything else I can answer for you right now? No, I think that's, that's all. I think uh, it's a pleasure that you've given the time for me to interview you. And uh, thank you so much for, for sharing so much uh, good insight. And like the way you explain things, you, you do it more for fulfillment, but through that result, you end up being a leader and, uh, and motivate individuals like myself, a student of yours, to uh, seek ways, you know, to think of different alternatives and and you, in some way, you've challenged me to become more aware of different opportunities, and uh, I want to thank you for that. For that well, uh, thank, insight, thank you for that as well. So, all right, and, uh, well, we'll, all right, thank you so much. We'll go ahead and end this podcast, and I know you have to get to class. <laughs> yeah, so, thank you. All right, uh, thank you. I'll see you have a good all one. Right. And you too. Bye now.